Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Incredible. Incredible, thank you. You could have kept going a little bit longer. Would have been good. Helps me feel good. Well, hey, good morning and happy Sunday. Happy to be here worshiping with all of you and worship was incredible. Katie Reed, the team, phenomenal. So, so good. Hey, I'm super excited to be speaking today. Um, And if you don't know me, I get the honor of leading young adults here at Radiant as well as our Radiant Intensive Program. And so I want to take just a moment and tell you about that because I'm super passionate about it. And I think you should be too. If, you, if you're between the ages of 18 to 25 years old or you know somebody between the ages of 18 to 25 years old, that should be everybody in here, then you need to listen to what I'm about to say because it's important. Um, and I just so believe in this program. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, the man that builds his house on a rock, he can withstand the storms of life. Meaning that the the foundation you build your life on is so important. And we want to help you build that foundation. We spend time in prayer every week. Like Pastor David said, most 24-year-olds aren't up here preaching, but the reason I am is because I did something like this. And the Lord worked through so much through it, and that's why I believe in it. Because we come together, we pray each week, we get taught on leadership from leaders like Pastor David, from speakers that come in and speak to us, from our different uh, staff that's around here that helps pour into our students. And it's amazing to me to see the transformation that happens in their lives. I look at them down here on the front row, so many of them, um, and I can tell you just story after story of what they've done. I think of Nick Dimmig. Um, and if you know Nick, Nick is always fixing everything. He's got the gift of fixing things. And uh, he's put together probably half the stuff we have in this church. And uh, Nick moved here from Illinois to do Radiant Intensive. And he tells a story of how he came in just wanting uh, to experience the love of God. He'd grown up in church his whole life. But never felt like he really experienced the love of God. He came in on the first night, Jamie Riddle right here, uh, who's an amazing, literally one of the best teachers I've ever heard in my life. So anointed, incredible teacher. If you could ever come to one of her Bible classes, I highly encourage it. We'll let you in to to hear her talk because it's incredible. But she spoke on the love of God and how it impacts every part of our life, how it flows into every part of our life. And Nick's changed because of that. That happened the first night. He talks about how the Lord's continued to build that. I've seen him turn into leaders and just the way the Lord uh, puts a spirit of excellence on them where they can be a leader in their workplace. And that's what we want to do is help them, whether they're going into ministry or you want to go into the marketplace Whatever that looks like for you, we want to help you build that foundation. And so I'm passionate about it. And if, if uh, you want to know more about it, like I said, like if you know someone between 18 to 25 or you are 18 to 25, I'd love to talk to you after service. You can go to our website, radiantintensive.com. We're on every social media platform that there is. We'll follow you back, increase your followers. Uh, and I know that's important in this time. And so, um, but we would love to talk to you. We have a preview day, preview weekend coming up um, in May, May 25th and 26th. You can sign up for that on our website, RSVP, on there. And I just want to shout out my team. So Ashley House right here in the front row, Will and Jamie Riddle, Joe and Amy Candelaria, all of these people. And then so many of you that are pouring into these students' lives. I'm so thankful for that. And also, I'm just so thankful to be up here today. I'm going to tell you more of my story, but about a year ago, I didn't know if this would ever happen, if I'd ever stand up here and smile and have any kind of peace whatsoever. 
Um, and so I'm super excited to continue in our breakthrough series. Did anybody enjoy last week? Come on, last week was amazing. If you're here for the first week of breakthrough, Pastor David talked about Elijah and how Elijah broke through discouragement. And, um, and I love Pastor David as well. Just David and Renata, would you put it up for them? Give it up for them, honor them. So thankful. What I always say about Pastor David, so I've, I've only known Pastor David for three years, but I've done a lot of life with him in those three years. And what I love to say about Pastor David is that every time he speaks, literally every time he speaks, I mean, every Sunday, if he speaks anything, he, anytime I'm around him, I'm encouraged to go spend time with the Lord. And I can't think of a better thing to ask of or a better heart in a pastor than somebody who encourages you to spend time with the Lord. So I'm so thankful for you, Pastor David. I'm thankful for you believing in young leaders and believing in the next generation and just super excited about what that looks like in our church with Bold Conference. All of the things coming up. I just love it. I love you. Thank you for this time to be up here. And I love all of you guys. I literally just feel like family. Uh, I was probably nervous for the first 30 seconds, but it's worn off um, just because I'm here with family. And so uh, really excited to speak on part two of Breakthrough Series. I'm going to be talking about anxiety and uh, not too many people cheering for that. Um, I was discouraged by last week, anxiety this week. But I actually, Pastor David called me and asked me to speak on anxiety. And I was so excited, honestly, which is kind of weird. But I was super excited. I was like, yes, I'd love to speak on anxiety because it's been such a huge part of my journey. But more than that, I've seen the breakthrough that God's brought. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But I want to pray for you first, and we'll jump right into the scripture. Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for who you are, God. First of all, that you're a good God. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you love us so deeply, God, that you care about everything that we care about, Lord, so much that you say we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. And Lord, I just pray for every person in this room today, Father, that they would know your heart. They would know that goodness, Lord. They would hear what you have to say for them and to them, Lord, and they would experience you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 We've got a choir of angels in the background. All right. Philippians 4, that's where we're going to be today, our main scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you've been around Radiant for uh, even a day, honestly, (laughs) you'll realize we have a lot of kids, like way more kids than normal. And it's amazing. It's incredible. It's it's, a shout out to the kids team, our kids team that's back there right now. And they're doing so much more than just taking care of kids. They're pouring into your kids' lives. And so we love them so much. But we have so many kids. And uh, honestly, when I moved here, I had not been around kids really at all. I have one younger brother. And most of my life, I was not around kids. And so when I moved here, it was, it was kind of an out-of-body experience for me, to be honest. I was like, what is happening? Moved here, and I, just so many kids everywhere. I was so uncomfortable. Like, I don't know how to talk to them, and I don't know what is, like, what is going on. Do you understand me? Do you, th- do you like me? Uh, and I just didn't know anything about it. Honestly, I was okay with not knowing anything about it. 
But the Lord has begun to change me, really, and it's been a miracle. That's been a breakthrough in my life, uh, honestly, is the way the Lord has worked in my heart with kids. And I love the kids now. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do on Sundays is walk around and say hello to all of the kids coming in and watching them grow up. I was saying the other day, I was like, uh, it was on Easter. I was riding with Dory and Skylar, two of my best friends. And um, I was like, man, I just don't want the kids to grow up. Like, I always want Radiant Church to be you know, Eloise and Laura and all these kids running around and watching them have fun. And that's just how I want it to be the rest of my life. So the Lord's done a work uh, in my heart in that area. But I've loved so much seeing them go through different phases. That's one of my favorite things about kids is just all the phases. You can ask them, uh, you know, what do you want to be when you get older? And it changes every day. And um, but I just love the phases they go through. Dory and Skylar, their daughter, Lauren, is in a princess phase right now. And um, it's, it's specifically for Anna and Elsa from Frozen. And um, we went to the, the ER the other day. Finley, their, their son, got a little cut on his lip, and they just took him. He just had to get some stitches. But uh, I sat out in the lobby with Lauren watching Frozen videos for an hour, just the same Frozen sing-along video over and over and over and over and over and over again. And, but she's in the princess phase. I mean, anything princess, she had a birthday a few, a little while back. I don't know how far back it was. And I just went to the dollar store and bought everything princess they had, like anything on it with princess, because that's the phase she's in. So she's obsessed with it. And I just love looking at that. When I look over my own life, I see some interesting phases. I don't know about you. I don't know what phases you've gone through in life. Maybe you've only been through a few. I went through a lot growing up, and it's kind of embarrassing how many I went through. Uh, one of the first phases I remember was a puppet phase. And I grew up in a, I grew up in a church with, yeah. Oh, wow. It was an important part of my life, everybody. Uh, but yeah, so I did puppets seventh through 12th grade pretty much. And um, at my church, it was, a, it was one of our leading ministries in the church I was in. And uh, you know, we would get picked up from school. It was, I'd try to hide that I was on the puppet team, even though I really secretly enjoyed it. It's like I didn't want everybody at school to know that, that I was on the team and um, that I made the team, you know. Um, but but this, it was hard to hide because we had a church bus, like a short church bus that would come pick us up in front of school for puppet practice. And um, our youth pastor would, like, get out and be like, who's ready for puppet practice, you know, like in front of the whole school. It's kind of brutal. Hard to make friends with that. And, um, but that was one of the first phases I went through. And it's harder than you think. I know everybody's laughing. It's actually harder. There is technique. I was, to somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day. There's a lot of technique that goes into this, you know? Um, and I'm not going to go into that. It would take a while to explain. Uh, but the next phase I went through, I was uh, a magician or an illusionist. I, I want to be, you know, we were, I was an illusionist. Magic's not real. And so... Uh, in case you didn't know, but I was an illusionist, and um, really this kind of consumed me for a little while. I would go to uh, this website every day, learn a new trick, and um, just practice it on everybody. I don't, th- I don't know if they liked it, but I loved it. And just everywhere I went, I was asking people if they want to see a trick, and usually they didn't, but just did it anyways. And, um, and I don't remember much of, the, much of that phase. I think the Lord set me free, but... Um, but yeah, that was a big phase of my life. But possibly the biggest phase was my band phase. And uh, yeah, we've got some fans. I like it. Yes. If you don't know, I was in a band called Reality Check. And you might have heard of us. Um, we had a, a big tour that happened. It was a two-year tour. We played four shows in two years. And um, 
stage is a little bit bigger than this, just the black part of the stage right here. And um, so we'd play, we'd play shows, and um, you know, our family would come, and that was about it. <laughs> but uh, it was an incredible time in my life. We had T-shirts, they were like ugly green, and they said, uh, they had an alarm clock on them, and they said, wake up to reality. And we thought it was like the coolest thing ever, and my mom still has some, if you want one. Uh, but uh, yeah, just the phases I went through in life. Thankfully, my favorite thing about phases is that they end, right? Like, thank God, they come to an end, and the Lord <laughs> delivers us from so many, and, and that's why I'm here standing here today, because uh, of the work he did in, the, in that time. But for so many people, anxiety is something that's not just a phase. It's not just a fad. It's not just something that comes and goes, but it's become something that's a deadly cycle in so many people's lives. It's something that you can't find the way out of. And it seems like nowadays everyone's going through it. Like, I, I don't remember what it was like growing up. I didn't feel like I heard much about anxiety. But now it's become a household name. Now it's something that everyone talks about. And I feel like I see it everywhere. We went to, we do a, these things called bold nights. And so we, we uh, take a group of RI students and a band. It's a worship team of RI students that we take. And um, we go to churches across the Midwest and they'll lead worship. I'll give a message on prayer. But I got done the other night. I told a little part of my story about anxiety. And I had, um, he's probably 40 years old. This guy come up to me and just um, say, thank you so much for talking about this. I've been struggling with anxiety, been having panic attacks all day. And to me, it just feels like I keep hearing that story over and over, this theme um, that anxiety has become this household name. It's not something that's just rare or just passing or just the cool thing to do. Uh, you know, it's not gluten, you know, but uh, I'm just kidding. That's uh, breakthrough part three. Um, no, but anxiety has become something that's that's just in every household, it feels like. It's, it's affecting somebody, and if it's not affecting you, it's affecting somebody that you know closely, and it's become such a serious thing. Just some facts for you. Uh, anxiety is the most common of all mental illnesses in America, with at least 40 million people struggling with severe anxiety disorders every year. And that's just what's severe, considered severe. That's just the ones who are who are crippled by this and that are actually going in to be treated for it. And so that's what we know um, of severe. It's an epidemic. Numbers are growing. In June 2017, the sales on books about anxiety increased by 25% just in one month in, in June 2017. And I was probably about 20% of that, those sales um, that month. But those are the heat of my battle for me. And there's another 6.8 million that struggle with what is called generalized anxiety disorder. And people with this explain, this is crazy to me when I read this, the, the, the explanation of, of what generalized anxiety disorder is. It says people who have this or struggle with this feel anxious most days and often struggle to remember the last time they felt relaxed. As soon as one anxious thought is resolved, another may appear about a different issue. And this was my story. This was actually exactly how I felt. I moved here uh, in 2016, June of 2016, three months before the church started. Um, I would say, describe myself as pretty easygoing guy, um, pr pretty joyful and happy most days. But as soon as I moved here, literally, it was like a week before I moved here, I was out with some friends, um, and I started having, like, I felt like I was going to die. Um, is the best way I can explain it. It was like my heart was racing. I, I'm just sitting there eating, you know, something I've done every day my whole life, normal, and uh, really enjoy it. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I have just my heart's racing. I can't hardly swallow or breathe. And this thought is like running through my, legs, my head, screaming, 
just, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. And I'm like, I, haven't, I went to the hospital. I was like, I don't know. To my friend, we've got to go to the hospital. I don't know what's going on um, with me right now. I think I'm going to die. Like, I have no health issues, but I feel like I'm going to die. Just so overwhelmed by the thought, well, I moved here a few weeks later. Nothing really transpired in that time besides just, I guess it's just a freak accident. I don't really know what, what it was, but I moved here and immediately started having four, five, six, seven anxiety attacks a day. They would just, it was consuming my life. Honestly, it opened up a door where I was just always anxious, always afraid, and had no idea what to do with it. And really, I had no way to say, is this normal? Like, is what's happening normal to me? I don't know. And I just want to say, first of all, for anybody in here that struggles with any form of anxiety, it's, it's, it's not just you. It's actually a very common thing that people struggle with. And I didn't know that. And honestly, for me, that was a huge part of my battle was thinking that there was something so wrong with me that no one else could understand, that it kept me in the battle longer than it should have. And so I just want to tell you, uh, if you're struggling with it, it's, it's so much more than just you struggling with this thing that's, that you've got. Like there's something wrong with you that you can't shake. There's so many people struggling with it. And I believe the Lord wants to set you free in that. But I, uh, it, I, I just, it started to, I could not go a day without being anxious. This, this sums up my life. I was everywhere I'll go. And it started, it, was, it actually went in phases as well. And there at first, I was so anxious about my, my health. I thought something was wrong with me. Like, there's something wrong with my heart. Now there's something wrong with my mind. There's something wrong. Why is my left hand hurting? Just things that sound, sound crazy to me to say now. But I was overwhelmed by it. I, I had no idea what to do. And it was just constant panic, constant fear. I, I couldn't hear the Lord. I couldn't do anything because of the fear and the anxiety I felt. It moved from it just being about my physical health to it being um, so much about my family. I was anxious, oh, my family's going to die. I would have crazy thoughts about just like when they're getting on a plane uh, to come visit me or something, something terrible is going to happen, and it would consume my day just like I'd be going to pick them up from the airport and could not stop thinking like something terrible is going to happen to them, this fear, this anxiety just crushing me. And it moved to me having nightmares at night. I mean, it was just, it was consuming my life. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's, that's experienced that or is going through it right now, but it was consuming my life. But I'm here to tell you that there's so much hope. There's so much hope for you. And I don't just say that flippantly. When I stood here uh, a year and a half ago, I think, a year and a few months ago, when I preached for the first time, I preached and I, I told some of my story of what I was dealing with. But to be honest with you, I was still in the heat of the battle. I was preaching a lot in faith. You know, I remember Pastor David asked me to preach, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I woke up that morning, and I didn't sleep at all that night before I preached. Just, I could not sleep. I laid in my bed with my eyes closed, but my mind was just racing, and so much fear about it, and so anxious about it. I could hardly, like, I just couldn't do anything. And and all the time, it felt like no one else knew what was going on. (laughs) I was just up here leading and doing things, and, and didn't know, it felt like no one knew was going on, what was consuming my life. But he asked me to preach, and that morning I woke up, and, and the first thought I had, or I got up, I didn't really wake up, the first thought I had was I could just drive back to Alabama, where I'm from, be home by tonight, drink some sweet tea, like sit by the pool, and listen to country music, you know? And like, life can be peaceful again. Because I thought it was just, what I, what it was, I thought it was just my surrounding. I thought it was just the place I was in. and That was the cause. I didn't realize it was something internal that was happening. In me, So when I say that there's hope for you and that God wants freedom for you, I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that as uh, it's just going to disappear in a moment and everything's great. And no, there was a battle. And so I want to talk to you a little bit just about the battle I went through. And 
one of the first things I learned, um, and really the biggest lesson I learned through all of this, was that it's more spiritual than you think. Like this battle of anxiety is more spiritual than you think it is. There's a lot of components that go into it, and every case is different, every case is unique, but it's more spiritual than you think. Ephesians chapter 6 says, For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And for me, I learned that one of the biggest struggles I was having was that I didn't realize this was a spiritual battle. There were so many symptoms that were happening around me that were consuming my thoughts, so many things I was pointing at. Oh, it must be something wrong with my heart. It must be something wrong with my mind. But I didn't realize that there was a, a fight going on underneath the surface. And I believe so many people get stuck in this. I would sit around every day researching like ways to overcome my anxiety. And I think those things are great. I think there's a lot of helpful tools. There's, you know, I would, I would do breathing techniques and I would lower my caffeine and all of these things that are important and, and that come from professionals to help you with your anxiety. But ultimately, I believe that you can have all of those things. And if you don't have this spiritual component, if you don't understand that this is also a spiritual battle happening, and I would venture to say it's mostly a spiritual battle happening, then you might can be stuck in it for longer than you need to be. And so I just want to give you um, a few ways for you to fight this spiritual battle, just three things here to fight the spiritual battle. And, and honestly, I'm speaking from my experience. There's so many ways the Lord can give you to help you fight this battle, but I want to tell you what helped me. And the first one is that you know God's goodness. You have to know his goodness. This comes from believing and knowing that he is good. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And so you have to settle God's goodness in your heart. You have to believe that despite, no matter what is happening, that God is good. No matter what could happen, no matter what could come up, the thing with anxiety is you constantly feel unsettled. Like, I remember there was just, there's no peace, like it said earlier, there's, there's just no peace, no solid ground to stand on is what it feels like. It's just everything's shifting. And once I get to a place, I remember thinking there'd be moments during the day where I would get to a place where I'm like, oh, finally some peace. Immediately something else happens. Immediately another thought comes in. Immediately another what if starts to take place. And this is what the enemy does. He wants us to get caught in the what if game. To me, that's the biggest part of anxiety. What if? That question, what if, and the thoughts that come with that question. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my family? What if the things I feared most start to come true? And the enemy ties us up in this what if game. It's everything I was going through. Uh, it started with my body. What if my heart's messed up? What if my mind's messed up? What if my family, something happens to them? What if, I, what if everything messes up here? What if when I walk on stage, I pass out? Like these were thoughts I was having on the front row as I'm about to walk up. What if I walk up there and I can't remember anything I was going to say? Just constantly turning over and over and over into my head this what if game that the enemy wants to get you tied up in. That's what anxiety is. He wants you tied up in that what if game. And I'm telling you, you've got to settle the goodness. I had to settle God's goodness on even if. What if those things do happen? What if I do lose my job? Then I've got to settle you're the good provider, God. You're the God that can take care of me. What if I do lose my family? I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not being flippant. It's not something you just get over in a day. But I'd have to settle, God, that you are enough for me. And you set the lonely in families. And you gave me that family anyways. And so you can come in and you can repair even the most broken situation. I have to settle the goodness of God. 
in my heart. I love the story of Job. I know it's kind of weird to say, but I love the story of Job. And when I read Job, uh, I read it when I was going, I feel like anytime anybody goes through a hard season, they read Job. And that's great. It helped me a lot. Uh, just so many relatable things. And um, I read the story of Job at one point um, when I was going through, and, and I did really relate a lot, a lot with what he was saying. But here's what I noticed when I read the story of Job is all of Job's what ifs actually came true. Job, there's a part in the story where Job says this powerful statement. He says, everything I feared has come to pass. All of my worst fears have come to pass. And you just see him in this turmoil, in this anxiety, in this fear, in this discouragement. And he has no idea what to do. And he's crying out to God, but it seems like nothing is happening. Nothing's breaking. There's no breakthrough in his life. That's how I felt. But the beautiful part of this story, everybody thinks, and, and I'm not trying to make a, any kind of statement here, but everybody thinks that, that the whole story of Job is just about, oh, he loses all these things and he gets them all back. To me, that's not the story of Job. To me, the story of Job is Job comes to a revelation and an understanding of God and how good he is. There's a moment at the end where it all comes to settle. He's lost everything. And he says, I had heard about you, but now I know you. And there was a change that happened in his soul where despite all the terrible things, and they are terrible, and the Lord cares about those terrible things that could happen or that you're fearful. He cares about that. That's why the Bible says cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. But I'm also just saying you can't control all of those things. You cannot control your circumstances. And so you can spend all of your days consumed with what if. What if this happens? What if this circumstance comes to pass? Or you can settle in your heart, whatever, whatever happens, my God is good. And I can trust his goodness. And when you, when you get to that place, that's where you start to experience some breakthrough. That was it for me. When I stopped having to have the arguments every day with the what if, I would spend all day consumed with it. When I could stop saying that and just say, even if, I know you're good, God. I don't want that, those things to happen, but I believe your goodness in this. And I believe that if it does happen, you're not going to be far away. You're going to be the ever-present help in my time of trouble. You're going to be here for me. Number two, you have to know the truth You've got to know the truth. And when I say this, I don't just mean a truth to a lie, although that is part of it. Behind every anxious thought, there is a lie. There's a lie rooted for me in all of those things. Uh, I, I can tell you, and again, every story is different. Every, every situation is different. But for me, what I can say is I spent, I spent six months worried there was something wrong with my heart and my mind. because I would have heart, And those symptoms were there. Heart palpitations, my chest would hurt, uh, my mind, I'd get dizzy, all of these things. But then there was a moment when I started to feel something, and the Lord had been showing me all these different things. I started to feel this onset of those symptoms come on. And I just said, you know what, Lord? I believe this is a lie, and I'm trusting you with this. And I'm trusting that you've got me in this. And I'm not, I'm not making this up. Literally in that moment, it all lifted. And those things never came back. And it was crazy for me how it happened. So there is a, there is a truth to every lie. But also, you have to know the truth as a person. You have to know Jesus who is the truth. And when I say no, I don't mean just, oh, I know about Jesus. I mean, you have to spend time with the truth. You've got to spend time in dialogue with the Holy Spirit. It says in, it says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. You need a dialogue of the, with the Holy Spirit. You need a dialogue that leads you into truth every day. That's why I love when Pastor David uh, preaches for all of us to spend time with the Lord. I love it so much because we need it. 
It's God's design. Like Katie said earlier, we were designed for relationship. And that doesn't mean we just, it's just hanging out. No, the Lord wants to pour things into you. The Lord wants to tell you things. God cares about those things. He cares about the what ifs, like I said. But he cares about every lie that you're hearing. And he wants to speak into those things. But you have to make a time for him to speak and let him speak into your life. And that was something that changed for me as I spent time with the truth. He spoke things into my life that I wouldn't have known. He told me, hey, that, that situation you're worried about, it's not, it's not exactly what you think it is. He gave me a new perspective on what it is. And the Bible says in John chapter 8, it says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I just completely believe that in every area of our lives, but it's specifically with anxiety, knowing the truth is what is going to set you free. And so you, ha- you can only know that truth as you spend time with the Lord and you spend time listening to what he has to say. But I also want to say this. You need people in your life that can speak that truth as well. And that's why we preach small groups. We preach small groups because you need community for people to speak into your life. And so many times, I can't tell you how many times, the Holy Spirit would speak through Will and Jamie. Holy Spirit would speak through Pastor David. And I remember this one time, I was scared to death to come up here and do a mid-moment, um, and was what, which is what we call the welcome part. And I, so I was like scared to death to come up here. Honestly, my anxiety was at its worst when I was here on Sundays. Um, and so I would stand up there and just be, every, every what if was running through my mind. And I remember one day, finally, I mean, it had probably been, I don't know, eight months of dealing with it over and over and really fighting it. I was standing back there talking to Pastor David. And I finally came to the place where I was just like, I, I, Pastor David, I cannot do this today. And he was like, why not? And I was like, I'm just so anxious. I'm so afraid. Like, I, and and I, I just, I felt like there is no possible way for me to walk up there today. Like, I, in my mind, I'm done with doing this. I guess this, this just, it wasn't for me. Like, I'm not supposed to do this. I can't get past this anxiety and this fear. I'll never forget, he looked at me, and he said, he said, do you want to tell the story one day that you overcame what the enemy was putting in front of you? Or do you want to tell the story that you gave up? And he just spoke truth into me. And he spoke into my purpose. He said, you were made for this. You can do this. And he saw something in me I couldn't see myself. And when you're in the heat of this battle, you can't see the whole picture. Right. When, when darkness is coming against you, you can't see the whole picture. And you need people standing beside you. You need that time of the truth yourself. But you also need people that can speak that truth into you as well. And the last point. And the keys can go ahead and come on up. Uh, the last point here is that you got to know your part. Like, what role do you play in this whole spiritual battle? Because you do have a role to play. And this was one of the hardest things for me to grasp in all of this. I remember just, just hoping and praying just some, something was just going to change and shift. And I believe the Lord does do that. As we pray, He answers us in those prayers. But you also have a part to play in the fact of seeing yourself as a victor and not a victim. Like you can actually, the Bible talks about we're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. Like you have an identity. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I love that verse. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And I love the verse that talks about the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. And so I believe your part to play is for you to settle his goodness in your heart. It is for you to spend time with the truth and with people that can speak into you. But I believe it's also to see yourself the right way. And to see that you are a son and daughter of God. And to know that God's will for you 
is complete freedom. It is breakthrough. We're not just doing this series because it's a great title. We're doing this series because this is God's will for your life, that you would see breakthrough. And a year ago today, I, I, I didn't believe that was even possible for me, honestly. I stood and preached, but I was preaching in a lot of faith. But that's what we've been called to is the fight of faith. And so your part to play is to keep believing, is to keep getting up and getting out of bed, to keep going to that small group where that person speaks something over you that you don't really know if it's true or not. <laughs> Sounds good, feels good, you wish it would come true, but you don't really believe it because you don't see it right now. But your part's to keep going and to keep receiving and to keep letting them pray for you. Your part's to get out of bed in the morning. I remember calling my dad. I, I really, I, I went from anxiety to a depression for a few months and I remember calling my dad one day and I just, it was just after a Sunday and I said, dad, I just, nothing's fun anymore. Nothing's enjoyable anymore. I don't know if you felt like that, but just everything I normally enjoyed wasn't enjoyable anymore because it, everything was consumed by anxiety. And he said, Joshua, you have to get out of bed. You gotta, because I was like, I just want to lay here in bed the rest of the day. And I don't want to get up. I don't want to go do anything. He's like, you got to get up and do something. <laughs> and that would be my message to you. You've got to get up and do something. You're not a victim to this. And I don't say that in a way to accuse you. I say that in a way to encourage you. You're not a victim to this. If I would have given up a year and a half ago, I wouldn't stand here today with any joy, with any hope, with any peace, with any life. But the one thing I know I did do was keep going. And it wasn't always my choice. I remember there was one day, Pastor David was out of town. I think it was the week before I tried to get out by talking to him. The next week he was out of town. I was like, man, I'll talk to Nathan. And, uh, and so I was like, I was like, Nathan, uh, I don't think I can do the, the welcome, the mid moment today. And he said that same, same thing. Why not? He was like, you're made for this. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for people that kept saying you're made for this. Cause I didn't believe it anymore. But he said, you're made for this. You need to go up there and you need to do this. And you're going to look back and be thankful you did. Well, that, that pep talk didn't really help me, honestly. I, I came to the front row and during worship, the whole time I just kept thinking, I could just leave. Like, I could just leave. I have free will. I can just leave and be done. I mean, honestly, I was, I was at that point. I just can't keep going anymore. And I stood there and I felt the Holy Spirit. He really, he started to show me pictures of people that I cared about and telling me that you were made for this and you are going to get through this. And I ended up walking up here. It was an awesome moment. The Lord really met me in it. And I walked to the back during the message. I was just standing there and I felt the Holy Spirit just said to me in, the, in so much love, he just said, I couldn't let you give up. I just couldn't let you give up. And what I want to say to every one of you today is I can't let you give up. That's not the Lord's will for you. Bible says God is for you. Like God's actually for you. He wants, it was his idea to give you breakthrough. It was his idea to sing Jesus. It was his idea to have healing when their sickness came in. All of these things were his idea and it's his will for your life. He's for you. And what I've learned is that God's more for you than you are. <laughs> Honestly, you'll give up on yourself before he'll give up on you. So I just want to tell you today, your part is to keep going. What happens if I fall? Because as I say all these things, it's awesome for me to stand up here in 30 minutes or however long it's been and tell you that uh, breakthrough happened. 
it's, it's great. It's awesome. It makes for a really good message, but it was a year. It was a year and a half of fighting. It was a year and a half of moments over and over again of, I don't know if this is going to work. God, I don't know if you're hearing these prayers. I don't know if you care. I mean, just, it was a year and a half of it. So you see in this moment, this result of it, which is beautiful. But I just want to tell you, it may be like that for you. It may be a fight. When I look throughout the Bible and I see all these amazing things that happen, the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, and a lot of times we say, if we can just touch the garment of Jesus, it'll change everything, and it does. But there's 12 years of her wrestling and fighting to see that breakthrough. And I'm just telling you, God wants breakthrough for your life, but it's going to take you fighting. And it's the fight of faith that, God, I believe you are good. God, and I believe what you say over these anxious thoughts. And I believe that I am a child you care about. I remember this story. Um, I went to a pastor's conference, and there's this guy there named Jeremy Foster, an incredible pastor of an incredible church. And I didn't, he didn't know me at all, though. I was just friends with somebody who was working for him, and we had dinner with them that night. And that morning, I had prayed this prayer. I had prayed, God, I just need some money. I don't know if you ever prayed that prayer, uh, but uh, I was like 21. I couldn't have been, it's the truest thing I ever prayed, you know. And, um, and so I, I prayed that prayer in the morning, just kind of threw it up, like throw it up to heaven, you know, hope, hope it gets there. And and, um, and I forgot about it, honestly. So the whole day goes on, I'm having dinner with these pastors and he comes up to me after. Again, he doesn't know who I am and he doesn't know that I prayed for money that morning. And he says, hold out your hand. And so I hold out my hand and he puts this money in my hand. I'm like, I can't take money from you. Like I had forgotten all about my prayer, all of that. It's like, I can't take any. He's like, you're going to take the money. And the Lord told me to bless you. And I walked into the bathroom and, you know, I'm just, I don't, I'm just thankful he gave me money, honestly. And I open it up and it's way more money than I thought it was going to be. Like a huge blessing. And immediately, as soon as I saw that, the Lord reminded me of that prayer I prayed that morning and just said, I hear you. And I'll tell you, that was a moment of faith for me that built my faith because what I realized was that God in his goodness, if he cares about these little details, if he cares about that little prayer about needing some money and a few hundred dollars, he's willing to answer that. How much more is he willing to answer the cry from your soul for freedom and breakthrough? And so I just want you to know who you are. You're a child of the living God and he's a God who cares about you. He wants good things for you and his wills for you to see breakthrough. I want to pray for, for you. If you would, just bow your head, close your eyes. and I want to pray for two groups of people. First of all, I want to pray for those who are in the heat of this battle right now. And I don't know what it looks like for you. Again, every situation is different. There can be so many factors in it. But you're, if you're in the heat of this battle, I just want to pray that you would begin to see breakthrough today. Father, so I just pray right now, Lord, for every person in this room, God, whether they're dealing with this now or they dealt with it in the past, they know somebody that is, Lord, I just pray, God, first of all, Lord, that they would come to you as a child, believing again, believing again that you want breakthrough for them, believing again that you have a better plan, you speak a better word, a word of hope over their life. And Lord, I just pray today would be a day where they can turn and believe that you're for them and you're not against them. Lord, I pray today if they've lost hope that they would have hope again in their hearts. Lord, if their head is 
down because they're discouraged, so they feel like this will never end. This is just my lot in life. I just want to tell you, this isn't your, it's not your lot in life. But Lord, I pray you'd show them that today. Lord, then I pray that they would begin to believe in faith that you are this good God. Lord, I pray they begin to spend time with you and hear your truth, Lord. The truth you have for them, the things you want to say about them, how secure they are in you, how much you care, the good things you want for them in their lives. And Lord, I just pray for a supernatural grace and endurance to keep fighting the good fight of faith. That they would not give up. Surround them with people that will help them when their hands go down, to lift them back up, to keep fighting, Lord. Surround them with those people. And God, I just pray for supernatural peace to fill their heart and mind in Christ Jesus today. Help them believe there is breakthrough, God. Help them to keep going. Second group of people I want to pray for are those of you who, maybe you're in this battle, maybe you're in another battle, but you don't even know the Lord. You're like, you don't even know this God who is so good who wants to speak the truth over your life, who wants to surround you with a family, who wants to give you community, who wants to walk every day with you. Maybe that's you, you're here today. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, and, but you've never begun a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to pray for you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. And so if, if you would, just be bold. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's head is bowed. Everybody's eye is closed. But if you'd say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, the God who is for me, If you would just stick your hand in the air boldly and I just want to see who you are so I can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, if you raise your hand or even if you're just making that decision in your heart to follow Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. You can just repeat really simply after me. You say, Father, I come to you today. I know I've sinned. I know I need you. And I confess my sin to you, Jesus. Confess the places I've gone wrong. Lord, and I ask today that you would save me and help me to begin walking in a relationship with you as the Lord of my life. Help me to know your love. Help me to know your peace. Help me to know that I'm a son or a daughter of God commit my life to you, to following you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give it up for Jesus today? Awesome. Amen. Hey, can you give Joshua a big hand? We love you, Josh. Good word. Yeah, let's stand to your feet. We're going to worship one more time, one more song together as we prepare to give. Thank you, whew, thank you, uh, thank you for your encouragement to Josh. I'm excited about what God's doing in this body, and I pray that um, this would be a season of breakthrough for each one of us. All right, I want to invite ushers if you would come forward and let's let's worship as we as we give. Let's give cheerfully, Father. We come to you today, and we thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in each one of us today. We thank you for the breakthrough. And God, your word says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And so we're bringing it to you and we lay it at your feet. Do miracles, change us. We ask Lord Jesus in this fight, in this journey, Lord God, 
that we would keep praying, keep giving it to you, not carry it on our own. So we just lift it up. We lay it at your feet. It's yours. We cast all our cares on you in Jesus' name.